You're listening to the We Are Libertarians podcast network. Find all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com. What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. You're listening to the We Are Libertarians Network. Learn more at wearelibertarians.com. Hey there, it's Chris Spangle. Welcome to We Are Libertarians. I said I was going to take December off, and I've never done more shows. Uh, <laughs> there is a ton for Wall Plus members. Make sure you join. There's a lot of uh, bonus shows. Uh, I, I've just been getting invited on a lot of stuff, and so I've been putting that into the feeds, and... This is no different. My friend Seth Tower Heard invited me on his Facebook Live. They're working on a free market solution to help solve the student loan crisis and wanted to talk about student loans and shared some of my thoughts. And then we picked apart their uh, their solution. And so I hope you enjoy this. Sign up for their email newsletter in the show notes. And without further ado, here's my conversation on student loans with Seth Tower Heard. My name is Seth Tower Heard. Uh, he is Drew Judas. Together, we are building a solution for the student loan crisis that everybody talks about and nobody knows what the heck to do about other than just panic. And, um, you know, we gave you decades to panic and that didn't work. So we thought we'd probably have to do something else. And then uh, the guy down there in the box at the bottom is Chris Spangle, um, a uh, friend of mine. I, I will say I did 10 years in radio in Chicago and the network radio. And um, he just like plugged a mic in in his apartment and put a blue curtain behind him and just like totally outdid me. Um, so. <laughs> it's, it's, it's been a little more complicated than that, but yeah, no, we, I, at, I had like a whole setup here at my, I'm in my apartment, like a whole oh, sound yeah, yeah. stage. No, I mean, I've been, I've been catching your stuff for a while. So and it then, used to be more of a and then I'm like, vibe. I just don't want you people in my house anymore. And so now mm-hmm. it's like two led lights and a black curtain. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so if we can just intro real quick about, you know, kind of how you would be a person to be interested in talking about this. Um, you, do you do, you, you work in radio full time. Mm-hmm. Do you do four podcasts. Am I correct about that? At least I have, I've lost count. So yeah, I do. Um, the one that I've done the longest. So I have a day job and that's basically professional podcasting, um, and video editing. And, uh, then, my main show that I've done forever is We Are Libertarians that I'm transitioning to the Chris Spangle Show. And then on the We Are Libertarians Network, I've got um, Liberty Explained, which is like the basics of libertarianism. And then I do uh, the public affairs show in Indianapolis on the weekends for the iHeart Cluster that's dedicated to nonprofits. And then I'm on the, on the Pat Down with Ms. Pat, which is a comedy podcast. So, yeah. And uh, that's how you... you uh... You went to Joe Rogan and uh, yeah. you, you met uh, you met Mr. Joe Rogan. And, super uh, nice, yes. Super good guy, yeah. Oh, um, yeah, no, it, and I got to talk to Jamie, which was like as a gear nerd, just as thrilling. Like, what kind of board do you use? What my, what, what's your mic level at? <laughs> um, well, I mean, they do have 50 bajillion listeners, so those are those are decent topics <laughs> to, to ask about. So um, you actually just had on uh, – man, I'm going to – I may throw the article up uh, or I may not. 
because this is the first time we've had three of us on a stream. Um, you actually just had somebody on not too long ago who wrote for National Review about student loans. Mm-hmm. So I mm-hmm. don't know. I mean, I've kind of, you know, I've stayed in touch with your con- your content, even as like, you know, you and I have kind of found each other on the internet. I don't know that I've specifically heard you talk a ton about student loans, but this is something that uh, regardless of politics, like everybody, you know, we are not a partisan problem we're trying to solve but it's certainly a political problem in a way um Mm -hmm. because government policy certainly got us here and uh certainly is not helping to fix the issue at all sure Um, right so why don't you know can you kind of jump in there on what your take would be on how we got to this point where people are quite literally delaying life stages because um you know because they're paying their student loans yeah i mean i'm i i got student loans the first time i went to college i'm actually going to college again now and i i avoided student loans and i'm just paying in chunks and taking that interest because i don't want to take out the student loans i want to force myself to pay it now like um you know and and I, I didn't ever have a lot of student loans so it wasn't like this crushing burden like some family and friends that have six seven eight hundred dollar a month payments right now and they're in their mid-30s i mean it's it's a crushing amount and Mm. when we went to high school i mean i graduated in 2002 and that was sort of even before it got crazy stupid expensive and you were you would sit in these big halls with guidance counselors telling you that it's just you've got to go to college like you can't not go to college because if you don't here's the chart of you're going to make twenty thousand dollars a year and then if you go to college, you're going to make $60,000 a year when you graduate. Well, mm-hmm. you know, not knowing that when I would graduate high school, we'd, we'd have the 9-11 financial downturn when, when my friends, fortunately, I, I dropped out of college and entered the workforce, which kind of gave me a leg up on friends who graduated college right in the 2008 crisis. And then right when we hit our, earn, our prime earning years, we're in the middle of this crisis. And so it's... Uh, you know, it's sort of been a constant drag. Boomers can't afford to really retire, so they're they're keeping in positions that that you know they're they're not allowing millennials to move up as quickly as possible. Wages are really stagnant, and then you've mm-hmm. got the the biggest tax on really young Americans, which are student loans, which are really. I mean, you guys obviously do a show about student loans, so your knowledge is probably deeper than mine. But like what little I've studied about it, it, there's two places that really keep tuition high and student loans as a result high. And the first is the guaranteeing of federal loans, backing it by the federal government instead of private banks. My original student loans were, were backed by Chase because you would go to the bank, you'd negotiate the student loan. Now it's FAFSA. It's all backed by the federal government. And when the printing press is available, there's really not much consideration. But the the one piece of rising college tuition costs that people don't think about is the increasing uh, demands for government to cover Medicare and Medicaid on the state level. And so, whoa! Can you can you can you connect that together on how that pushes up students? Yes, because yeah, because the federal government has a printing press. You can, you know, it's modern monetary theory, print all day long. It doesn't matter what you do. But your state and local budgets, they don't have that luxury. They can't inflate currency. They can't print money. They have a static pot of money, and they live next to the people that they raise taxes on. So they're not hiding in Washington, D.C. in the the, uh, Russell building. So 
uh, there's there's not a, a big willingness to raise money uh, uh, taxes. And so when Obamacare came in in 2008, you already had many states that already had some version of Medicare and Medicaid. Uh, and then Indiana, for instance, had built the Healthy Indiana Plan. And so if you're low wage or, or low, a low earning person, you know, I've had many friends who have relied on the Healthy Indiana Plan to get their medical insurance and those costs have crept up and up and up and so obama in 2000 right after the affordable care act was passed it was part of the affordable care act the the federal government said you know we'll give you a block of money and you could apply that to your your medicare medicaid system which is what indiana did and they funded the healthy indiana plan 2.0 or you can adopt like a federal version of it and the cost for state governments in terms of providing this health insurance became astronomically expensive. And so when you have one bucket that becomes really expensive, all of a sudden they have less money to spend on high K through 12 teacher pay for, um, you know, the, 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 the state colleges, the state college system. Uh, it's part of the reason why Mitch Daniels, when he was governor of Indiana, uh, now head of Purdue university, which has had, dropping tuition because he's a genius um he founded w he helped found wgu an online university to kind of help pioneer uh, a state college online network of schools and i've had many friends go to wgu and get great educations from that and, and finish their degrees in an easy way and that kind of helped spear a lot of the technology that colleges are scrambling to adopt in 2020 um so yeah, as, as we look to the government, state and local governments, to fulfill all these mandates, to start to uh, do you know, more and more and fund more and more, you're going to see colleges go, well, I'm not getting state dollars. We're not getting state grants for the, 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 for the private or the public universities. We've got to raise tuition. And so that's been a, a, a hidden factor in the rise of mm. tuition costs. And so what, what everybody needs to recognize is that every time we advocate for the government, the federal government, a state government, a local government to do something, there is a finite amount of money. And that's going to take from other budget priorities. You know, and so, but the need is not going to stop, which is why I'm a libertarian. I don't think that that, that model of public spending is a, a smart one because scarcity exists and people never think that they have enough and they always want more. And, you know, the private market usually, usually works that out a lot more efficiently than a, a, a public funding model. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, the, uh, the money machine go burr. Right. Um, you know, that's a... It's a fairly recent meme, but uh, it's a fairly old practice, yeah. unfortunately. Um, by the way, if you want to, um, I'm tagging you on uh, on the socials, man. If you want to share the live feed or whatever, I will. I, I think I already I right did there. on Facebook, but I will on uh, on Twitter too. Okay, yeah, I just hit you on Twitter as well. I um, the man when you simulcast the the audio feed on Twitter is just terrible. <laughs> um, so if you yeah. are over there, we're on, we're, we're on Facebook and YouTube as well. If you want to go check this out live, uh, I would recommend that you jump over to one of those other ones and you'll miss 30 seconds of, uh, what we have to say, but it's going to be, um, it's, 
going to be all right. I promise. Uh, it could be the most profound 30 seconds, so why take the risk? <laughs> well, no, it's not going to be that profound because I need you to share it on social. <laughs> I mean, I don't know how good you are. If you can come up with another – another that. it's funny. I had not um, I had not made that connection. That was um, that was really good stuff. Drew, had you heard of that stuff before? Um, about the uh, specifically about uh, the rise in tuition being connected to you know the other. No, you know what I I have done some reading and I had not connected the two, but it really makes perfect sense. And the way I'm looking at how the government funds student loans and how the universities and the schools look at that is, I mean, they have their guaranteed payout, right? They can, they can charge 40 grand a year and they're going to get their money because uh, the burden of payment will be transferred then to the student who will be forced to, to pay that over the course of their lifetime. I mean, it's, it's, it's easy money for the schools. And if I were a university, I could, if I'm charging 40 now, if I would say to myself, you know, if I really wanted to make some money, I could charge 60 and I'd probably still get it. Because again, there's that perception that, well, these, these student loans, there's still that perception in the market. Well, if you go to school, you're going to get a, a very high paying job and your life is going to be so much better uh, or so much more well-funded than if you uh, didn't, didn't go to college. Well, and, you know, if we can take a, um, a, a bit of a diversion here, um, the, because I, I'm not super you know and all the like weirdo dave ramsey people are gonna be like come out of the woodwork and be mad at me for this i'm not super against borrowing something for education no um but you need to be able to like run the math in your head and man you are not taught that in high school um so it's like even but uh, let me stick up for dave ramsey like even he will say you know this if you're gonna if you're gonna borrow money like this is an investment on your future this is an investment in Mm -hmm. you know what your future earnings and it's low interest compared to like a 14 percent interest loan to fund podcast equipment or something you know like (laughs) yeah yeah no uh, i've heard him say i've heard him tell people um not to not to take out loans on med school and you're not allowed mm-hmm. to work when you're in med school. So I don't know. I mean, just like go be an amateur surgeon for a while and save up your money <laughs> and um, right. like do it in a country that's like, you know, that's disorganized enough that like, you know, you, you can just leave when you get sued. Go to Eastern Europe, operate on people for cash, come back and pay for American med school. I don't know how that works. And right. I've met, I mean, I've, I've oh. met Dave a few times. He's a good guy. I like him. Um, Drew, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, like, yeah, if you want to do med school, uh, like you say, like when you say being an amateur uh, amateur uh, surgeon, I mean, you could start a podcast or start a a, a, a YouTube channel where you, where you where you pop zits and and you you lance boils, and you know those things get millions and millions of views. So you know you're making money there. That's that's how I would do it. Yeah. So I, mean, <laughs> I don't know why you're not doing it now. Like I would just add a segment to this show where you pop zits. Like, I mean, if that's where the money's at, why wait? Well, you know, yeah, that's right. I think you find yourself in different um, situations because I sure. do know people that have taken out, you know, one hundred and eighty thousand dollars a year to go to either Wharton or Kellogg uh, or um, uh, Booth. You know, like the mm-hmm. top three business schools, and you take out two hundred k, but you come out making, you know quarter million to 400,000 oh, sure. job out. So, sure. you know, or if you're borrowing to go to, um, uh, if you're borrowing to, you know, like go to, uh, 
like do your degree in cybersecurity, you're going to come out making like 92 as a 22 year old. I would say that's worth it. Where I feel like a lot of people are in crushing debt is because they got told they could like make their own major or it's like, well, just follow what your passion is. Um, that man, I really, I mean, I knew people that like, they're like, Oh, I'm going to go to college for opera. And right. uh, I'm like, Oh, Okay. Those are the people that, well, I mean, I'm going to back for history, so I can't speak, but I, I do a fair amount of history in my show. So I did, like, for me, it's like, I'm going back for the skill of research, yeah, yeah. writing papers, sure. that structure. Like it's really helped me the last like three or four months. Um, and I've not really told anybody that I was going to college just because I was afraid that I was going to like fail because I do a lot of oh. stuff, but like, you know. <laughs> I have. I ended did you, with. A, did you finish? Is this grad school or did you finish undergrad? No, or no, I dropped out. So I'm I'm a junior in college again, and I got an A plus, a 98 <laughs> out of 100 in history, and, and a B in Spanish, and I paid for it out of pocket. And you know, it was a lot easier than I thought. But I'm going for skill. Like I'm going to learn how to write structured arguments. Um, but right. if you go to Wharton and you or you go to Harvard Business or you go to like one of those schools, you're paying for networks, and that's what. Yeah. W- when I I produce a podcast for a guy named Robert Vane called Leaders and Legends here in town, and we interview a lot of the people who are the most successful folks in town, and inevitably we end up back at IU in the fraternity system with a lot of the guys who have been making a lot of the decisions recently. And it's because they go, well, I got this problem, and my buddy, Dave, or whatever, you know, w- was really good at that in college, and I always enjoyed him. Let Booker. me call him up. Yeah. You know, and so, the, yeah, the world works in networks of power, and that's that's what you pay. Mm-hmm. That's what college is a lot of times. It's it's yeah. getting new networks, not not well, just the skill set. You know, and I, I would say what I got out of college was it got me to Chicago. I mean, the, the two biggest things are important. It got me to Chicago, got me into media got been meeting people and then I left with a um you know the network and it's not that the other it's not the stuff I learned didn't um didn't uh matter but the stuff I learned didn't change my life the way that those three things changed my life right um and so that's actually kind of when you said that uh you know they're doing the online school thing I think that's cool if you've got to check a box of like you need a degree for a licensure you know teacher yeah. lawyer whatever um, if you're in something that's more soft skills, I think I worry about even if it's cheap doing that because you might be better off just going and doing whatever. Uh, well, you know, if you have your network already, like if you if you work for a while and you have a network established that that network that you might get in a university like a fraternity system might might not be as critical. I I, I shake my head at. Uh, you know, a, a place like uh, place like an Ivy League, or without without naming names, because I don't want to, you know, I don't want to disparage any of these schools. But if I if I want to be a social worker, or a uh, some kind of counselor, I I could go to Northwestern. You know, I, I, you know, there you go. I could go to an expensive school and get a pretty good education as a as a social worker. But once I get out of the school, regardless of my network. I'm a social worker. I'm making 24 grand a year. I'm making right. 25 grand a year, maybe. And I have one of the finest educations available in, 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 in the nation. But yeah, that network, even if I do have a good network, that's not going to hook me up with a social work position right out of school, making, making a hundred grand. I mean, people are social workers all their lives and they struggle to break 60 or 70. So yeah, which, I mean, again, it's a nice living, but 
the the return on investment is not there and the network well, and it's not a nice living the whole time um i mean right. if you're if you're trying to pay heavy student loans on that salary it's sure it may not be a nice living sure. for decades um yeah i mean a lot of this is your per like i dropped out and i worked hard and i knew i had to work harder than everybody else because my name would be at the bottom of the pile or in the trash can because i didn't i didn't have that commitment to finish a degree versus other people you know, but it was that determination, it was that work ethic that that got me to where I'm at now, along with mentors. Just people mm -hmm. like my 30s have been successful because I've had great mentors invest in me, versus my 20s where I didn't I didn't listen to anybody. <laughs> you know, and so um, uh, it, it, and so by the time I got my 30s together and listened to people who were more successful than I, and it it, it worked out okay. You know, and that like it. It, all of this, there's like a, it, it's your networks, it's your education, it's what you mainly what you do with it, how hard you work. I mean, it comes down to the individual, and and like this conversation, you know, I so this show that I do now here, this that I've thought a lot about how does a person become successful, or how do they build wealth, or how do they build a, a solid career. And again, it's mentors, it's networks of power, it's good education, it's that good foundation. And what I've learned through the Now Hear This show is that there are a lot of families from economically disadvantaged families that nobody has gone to college and nobody knows how to fill out a college application. So nobody's actually getting into networks of power or getting good education because they there's nobody like leading yeah. them down that path and that's where like i look at a lot of the diversity stuff that's going on and i go yeah we need to help lift people up who who generationally may not have had access to these networks and now let's make sure they get into college and and help mentor them into networks of power and lift these communities up well actually if i can speak to that one thing that drives me nuts um that I really got in a pretty significant argument with uh, a friend about was that I was um, <clears throat> at Subway, um, the smoking of food because uh, you know the, <laughs> the smell of the bread like gets in your clothes like cigarettes. Yeah, uh, you're so right. Uh, but my wife likes it once in a while, so I picked it up. Um, and uh, I bought. This kid was in line. He's like, "Hey man, can I, get a, can I get a coke or something?" And you know, I could just kind of tell like he was doing DoorDash or something. So what's going on is like the dude probably didn't have any money until the end of the night when he cashed out his. Um, you know, his gig economy gig. And I was like, Hey dude, I'm like, I got this one. You know, I kind of know what it's like to be like, you know, have $3 in checking. So I got, I got it, you know, grab something, kind of chill for a second while they're making the sandwiches. And I was like, so, so what's next for you, man? I mean, I'm, I see you're working hard. And, uh, <clears throat> and you know, he was like, Oh, you know, I'm going to try to get on Amazon. I was like, well, what could you do after Amazon? I was like, you know, what if you, um, have you thought about welding? Uh, I was like, you know, you're not going to weld for the rest of your life, but dude, you go to school at night for three months, you come out, you're making pretty freaking good money <laughs> yeah. Do that for a couple of years, put some money in the bank when you're 20, 21 years old. Like you got a lot of options, man. He's like, Oh, that's really cool. So I was like, Oh, you know, mm -hmm. here's my number. Hit me. If, um, if you, uh, ever, um, you know, like you got any questions or I can help you. I'm new to town, but you know, hit me up. And, uh, you know, I live in a, um, so I live in North County, St. Louis, pretty close to Ferguson. Um, I believe statistically in the last, um, the last, uh, uh, census, you know, the town was 80% black, 20% white, I believe that I live in. Um, and I communicated this story to a friend and, um, the friend said, well, you know, did you have, um, com you know, like empathy or something like that? And I was like, I swore. Um, <laughs> so I turned my mic off and, and I, I was just like, yeah, this dude doesn't need empathy. Um, 
he like he needs a job that's not garbage right <laughs> mm-hmm. like that would be what he needs um and i right. bet that if you and, asked him that's what he's looking for <laughs> yeah like he doesn't he doesn't care what i feel like in my th- wait they were heart. mad that, that you took the time to have I, a conversation with a stranger they were mad that i wasn't more empathetic and i'm like you know what like you haven't been broke before um because when you're broke uh, when I was 19 working three jobs, like with my back against the wall, helping my mom pay the bills, um, I didn't need empathy. I needed strength. Like I needed strength to just get through it. And I needed a freaking solution. Right. Uh, and right. like, I didn't care what anybody like, uh, like, I don't know. I mean, sometimes I just, I don't know if I should say that. I was like, sometimes I just wish that like, you know, maybe Kim Jong-il would win. Like, we just get nuked because just, <laughs> like, the self-righteous white people. Like, I'm like, well, maybe if we're all just dead, I won't have to listen to you anymore. Mm. Like, it might be. <laughs> Drew's, like, taking that seriously. Can I say the scourge yeah. of the white liberal? Is that uh, acceptable in this program? <laughs> I mean, yeah. you yeah. know. Yeah, I, that's, that's the reason. I, mean, I feel like I'm, I'm a... Like, I'm more woke than most people. But, man, when I hear stories like that, I'm just like... You took the time to connect to somebody, hear their story, give them a suggestion instead of like, what did they want? Like crying on the the guy crying on your shoulder about what? Like, <laughs> like the guy, right. <laughs> the you know. And that, I've I've had that conversation about the trades too. Like I have a friend who went is like twenty four now, probably making eight times the amount of money as an electrician that I'm making, you know, and you're just like, mm-hmm. my little nephew, I am going to push him into the trades. Like I worked on construction sites. Those guys made a great living. You know, oh, there, yeah. you know, there is, I worked with Rupert's kids for a long time. That is a lot of vocational training for kids getting out of the criminal justice system. And Rupert's like telling these kids that a college track is right for them is like telling them that they can be president of the United States. Like they, there's nobody in their family that encourages that. They don't think that they're capable of that until somebody like a Rupert comes along and tells them that, you know? And so, but if you can get them a trade, if you can get them on a construction crew or a drywalling crew and they can get a little money in their pocket and stop being picked on by the criminal justice system all of a sudden, Oh wow. Anything's possible. Because I, I yeah, I'm at a different right. place, you know. Like right. the economic security is just so foundational. It's like liberals will pick on libertarians and conservatives for talking about economics, and it's not about greed. It's that the economy is people's hopes and dreams and self actualization, and it's important. And college is important, and that's what I, why I think there's just so much anxiety around student loans and the cost around college is because. We've been built up into this place that we think if I don't go to college and pay the 200 grand toll to get to my future, then I'm not going to make it. And like, I've got to tell you, like I I got my first internship at a radio station because of college. It was certainly a worthwhile investment uh, that that like going for four years and getting a one point nine three GPA. I wish I had been a more (laughs) equipped student. But at the end of the day, like. I'm made, I'm doing, I'm waking up every day doing exactly what I dreamed about doing at eight years old. And I didn't need a college degree to get there. It's just you, you, if you have determination and you are annoying enough to knock on enough doors to get in the right doors, uh, then, then you can get to where you're at in any industry, but you've got to put some effort behind it. And without some security, it's hard to do that. 
Drew, go ahead. Yeah, well, if and if I could go back to your point about there's, you, you mentioned a lot of families who don't know how to fill out a college college application. They don't know how to get to that level where they get to college. They don't, they, and they're looking, you have a family who has the first person go to college or post-secondary education for you know, that, that, that the family has ever seen, which is, is a great thing. Don't get me wrong. And I think we have uh, not great, but I mean, there are our, our folks, there are our, our places and there, there are uh, organizations set up to help, help a person with that. But unfortunately, and, and you mentioned working hard and you mentioned, you know, knocking down doors. Uh, if, if that's the goal and Hey, great, we've gotten this person to college. Awesome. But I, I think that there's a lot of education that stops saying, Hey, great, you're in college, but now you have to realize that person could, could then become another one of the statistics that now has $200,000 in college debt. They have a college degree, but now they've gotten out and their, their first job is making 50 and they become, uh, I guess another, I don't want to say victim, but uh, you know, they're knocking down the wrong doors because you know they're working yeah. hard, but they have that burden of the student loans because no one's ever told them, or there's been no no uh, means to say, "Hey, this is this is what it's going to cost you. This is what you can expect to make." You need to be smart about that. As yeah, well. I it's think trading one kind of broke for another, essentially. Ex- exactly. Yeah, Thank like you. there yes. is, uh, and that's why I think mentoring is so huge, and that's one of the reasons I do now hear this, the public affairs show in Indy, like the Starfish Initiative pairs cross-cultural adults with children who are academically gifted from ages like 8 to 14 or 15 and you know they they try to match them like if this if this child's showing promise in stem they try to match them with somebody who's in a different you know like the uh you know for the kid from the poor white neighborhood will be paired with a, an affluent person from the north side that may be black like they try to do different things to to cross-pollinate networks and uh they are they essentially are helping these kids get on track like there's big brothers big sisters who i interviewed i think today or yesterday uh and that mentoring program is not just about education but life skills like just you know when when you get a big brother big sister relationship with a little brother or sister when they they have somebody outside of their family just showing interest in them and helping them kind of guide them towards a different path and giving them some advice like it helps them shape some of that early stuff quickly you know there there's great programs in my town and i'm sure it's in your town because a lot of these are national organizations that are really trying to dig down like the lumina foundation sally may converted massive amounts like five or seven billion dollars into this endowment and created the lumina foundation and i think it's the biggest nonprofit in the nation and uh if you want to hear more about them the leaders and legends podcast we talked to uh to their ceo at the lumina foundation their whole goal is basically to mentor kids from middle school to high school because of exactly what you're talking about so Indianapolis is where the Friedman Foundation is located, the Milton Friedman School Choice Foundation, the Lumina Foundation. Like there's all these like education focused, uh, the Crystal DeHaan Foundation. And what all of these groups have found is that if you have adults 
that give a shit, <laughs> if I may curse, excuse me, um, that give a darn I said about something worse to that when I uh, turned off my mic. Yes, so, you know, we're uh, probably fine. If they actually take the time to kind of get out of their comfort zones and go work with younger people and talk about their career experiences, then you have a better chance of those kids not wasting money on student loans, not wasting their time in college, Mm -hmm. getting college credits in high school. They're better prepared because having those conversations with somebody who is an outside adult who is like, this is what your career is like. You know, there's even um, now there's like all these charities that's I think it's Edge X, like where they're me- pairing adult mentors with a- adult workers because they're like uh, people just starting out in their career because the whole idea of mentoring and and working with folks to kind of help grab some clarity in this work environment where it feels like it's really difficult. And I know that it is very difficult for a lot of people, but we're also at a point I think where the possible there's so many more things that are possible. Like I never, ever, 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 ever would have dreamed that a significant portion of my income would come from podcasting, you know? Mm -hmm. I mean, and, and it's something that I never thought until about this year that I thought I would be able to do full time, but the internet and the markets and the economy have expanded to a point where it is financially possible for me to do that you know you look at substack and and writers can make a living being writers so you know and that's the liberal arts sphere but there's just so many different place pieces of opportunity all around and and you know if you want the student loan crisis to kind of end and not have the the barista with the three hundred thousand dollars like go mentor some kids today like go go join big brothers big sisters lumina foundation like the Starfish Initiative, th- those kind of things in your town, because having that conversation an hour a month with a kid who's 12, 13, 14, they're going to go, like when I go speak at schools, these kids, like, where can I get a B&H catalog, start circling things? Like, it just lights their mind on fire when they start thinking about possibilities that they never considered. Mm-hmm. Well, we need to, uh, you know, and we've, I, I believe you got to be up pretty early, so we're not going to go past the hour okay. mark. We need to tell you about what we're building because I'm going to get your reaction to that. But before we do that, um, two things. Number one, I actually really do want to see if I can get into Big Brothers, Big Sisters or or something like that because, uh, you know, I'm 38, but I, I'm I'm kind of a loser. Maybe No, I'm kidding. I'm <laughs> <laughs> I would. Uh, that's something I'd really like to volunteer with. Um, but we are seeing a lot, um, you know, kind of on Twitter and the blogosphere about student loan um, forgiveness right now. Mm -hmm. My biggest fear there is that people are going to make even worse decisions. And it's not like, Oh, we're building this website. And then if the student loans are forgiven, then that was stupid. Why'd we do that? My biggest Mm -hmm. fear is that people will make even worse decisions because they saw the loans get forgiven. So why don't I take out, you know, cost of living loans on top of my other loans and just like freaking live like Kanye West for four years because right. it's going to get forgiven. And I mean, I'm afraid this thing's going to get a lot worse if there is, I mean, you know, as, as much as it would maybe, you know, help it's, individuals, I worry about society and I worry about like the whole thing's blowing up if that happens. You you were referring to my interview with Brad Palumbo recently yeah. and yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. like libertarians love warning about moral hazards. 
You know, the the fact and that Star Wars, yeah, right? Go season. watch the Big Short. Nobody went to jail for what you see in the Big Short. Nobody learned anything about the moral hazards of the bailouts in two thousand and eight. And so, mm-hmm. when we have our next big crisis in twenty twenty, the trough is open at even bigger, much like seven hundred and fifty billion dollars was controversial in two thousand and eight. That was like batting an eye in two thousand and twenty. You know, the moral hazard of just kind of like. You know, if there's a crisis, you don't need to save money. We've got you. We'll send you 1200 bucks for eight months. You know, if, if there's a crisis, don't worry, airlines. You don't need to have good business models. We'll bail you out. Like, And it's the same. If, if the trough is always open and people suffer no consequences for their decisions, like if a contract really means nothing, it, 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 like everybody who signs up for a student loan is making the conscious choice. Like, trust me, my hand hovered over that button going, I'd really like an $8,000 loan. You know, I really thought about that. But then I thought, can I make a few sacrifices and, like, pay 600 a month, 700 a month, 400 to Some months it's been 100 bucks. Like, you know, I, I didn't need to take eight when two sufficed or three, right? So I made a conscious choice there. And everybody else who took a student loan made a choice, and all the people who were responsible and paid off their loans and didn't wait for a bailout feel robbed. And all that does is create resentment. And that's part of the story of using the government to solve these problems is whenever there is action by the government, there is force that follows. So anytime you ask the government, anytime we ask the government to do something, they pass a law, a police officer then has to enforce that law. And then when we add laws, so many laws, like drug laws, and then we go, I don't understand why people hate the cops. It's because we are increasingly asking them to do more and force more and and force more people to live the way that we think they ought to live. Like at the end of the day, we're looking at the government to kind of take away the consequences of our choices, take away the consequences of signing those contracts, take away the consequences of not saving money, take away the consequences – and I, the moral hazard of that is 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 deeply, deeply impactful on our society. And this is just another one of those instances. Yeah, there would be a, um, a, a somewhat of a uh, in individuals' lives. Uh, there would be a lot of people who would really benefit from having those student loans washed away. But it would come off the backs of the people that acted responsibly or had made different choices or who had never gone to college. So in effect, you're taking like tax money from poorer people and transferring it to middle-class people. Like, you know, so I've seen a decent amount of people talk about that on Twitter. Like, Hey, I went into the trades and you like partied your face off uh, with Miller light for four years. And now I might have to pay for you, and I'm just not cool with it. And a lot of that is not totally fair, but it's the resentment that is bred by government action. You know, there there is no way to fight the coronavirus except for personal responsibility and people getting good information and making the right choices. You can't pass enough laws to make people behave. And the more you try to clamp down, the more resentment you breed. You know, it's a it's a great example of the the division that government action creates like the ncaa and nba start shutting down out of goodwill for for their fans and everybody's like yeah maybe we ought to rethink our events and then like 
the government says, all right, time to lock down. And everybody's like, ah, where's my pitchforks? You know? And so that's going to have the same effect where we have a a divided society and giveaways is just, and creating more moral hazards is only going to make the society more tense when we need to be going the other way, you know? So what, what can we do instead of looking to the government to give away free money, what can we do to kind of innovate our way out of this? Like I, I go to a mega church on the South side Fantastic segue. They just gave uh, away. Yeah, that was a fantastic. Wait, where do you go, by the way? Just real Mount quick. Pleasant Christian Church, who gave away $7 million in student loan relief this year alone. Dang. Okay. Well, that's um, almost exactly what we're talking about. Because we're not yeah. that you're Catholic. I don't know why, man. Um, I was. You made a, oh, you were. My, my grandmother is very unhappy that I'm, I went Methodist and then Baptist. So but we don't talk about that. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, as far as the innovation goes, man, we, and that this is part of the, the, and this isn't like we just wanted to get you on to like endorse our idea or mm-hmm. you know grab the eyeballs of people who pay attention to you. We thought you'd be an interesting person to have this conversation with. Um, and, you know, and this whole thing started with Drew calling me, and uh, you know, I get these calls all the time because I've been, in, you know, I've worked with some, uh, you know, venture back tech startups in Chicago and stuff, and I get all these calls like, hey, I've got this idea. The, you know, and if you've listened to every single live stream, you're gonna hear a joke for the second or third time, but whatever. Uh, usually it's along the quality lines of like, I was at my stepbrother's birthday party and this guy was like, Hey, well, Oh, you're in like tech stuff. I have an idea for an app. Okay. <laughs> an app that calculates your overtime. <laughs> and I'm like, you know, what's your wage? And he told me, and I'm like, there's your overtime because I did it on the calculator on my on my phone. So <laughs> usually it's, it's, it's somewhere called, along the lines of it's that. called harvest. <laughs> <laughs> it's a time and a half your wage, dude. It's not that hard. Did you work three hours overtime? Three times one point five. Boom. Um, but this is this was the call where I was like, oh, there's something here. And so Drew called me um, and said, you know, I've been thinking about this for a long time. And um, you know, Drew, it's not like you were the one that was crushed under student loan debt in the last six months. So you started thinking about this. You saw this, this problem society, societally. And yeah. uh, you know, I had and, been collecting stories in my mind for, for a number of years about, and again, uh, just getting to know people and, and watching, watching people who were young, who were out of school with that, with that look in their eye that are ready to take on the world. But five, six years into it, they are still, uh, you know, struggling to make ends meet, driving driving used cars, living in their parents' basement with a with a relatively decent job because of, of student loans. And when I went to school, you know, when I when I went to school, it was still probably outside of that uh, outside of the realm. But back in the day, when people went to school, they could work during the summer to fund their their tuition. Right? I mean, that's I mean, we're talking 30, 40, 50 years ago. But, but that could still be done relatively easily. I mean, it was a realistic endeavor. So this is the, the, that's what uh, led me to this idea. And I have a lot of bad ideas. So uh, I, I talked to Tower. I, I see uh, the horse head in the back. I, I get it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, you know, not everything works out for Drew here. You know, so right. So I've, I've got a lot of regrets in the background, as, as you can probably see. But uh, this idea is, uh, you want me to just kind of roll it out? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I mean, yeah, so we got, uh, you know, we got like 11 minutes. So, so we talked, I, we, 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 we talked about the issues and the problems that come 
from uh, a government nanny state or a government uh, government funded solution uh, to all all my problems, all of society's problems. So what uh, what I talked to Tower about is this would be a, a crowdfunding, a crowdfunding exercise, a crowdfunding effort. So what we're doing then is offering people who have gone through the system, if you will, who have earned a degree, who now have a level of student debt. So these people would essentially have a space to tell their story about, hey, here's where I want, here's why I went to school for this particular uh, focus in this, this particular major. And here's what I'm doing now. And here's where I'm at. And this is what I want to do in my life. Kind of so give them an opportunity, a, a forum to tell their story and say, hey, I need some help. And this is what I, this is what I do. So essentially what it is, it's a crowdfunding uh, exercise, a crowdfunding space for folks to put up a profile. And then people like me who want to help out and contribute to education, but I don't give to my, my alumni, I don't give to my alma mater anymore because every time I gave money to them, as a as an alumni, they turn around and, and raise tuition six seven percent. We so need I a ask, new giant billion dollar building. Right, exactly <laughs> right. a communication center. I'm like, for who? You know what? Who do you need to communicate with that you can't communicate? Anyway, so I don't give money to them, but I still have this money that I want to give. So the the money then would go directly to the holders of this student loan to help them pay down the debt. So this is uh, this is a, an opportunity to fund someone who's carrying this burden because they believed somewhere along the line in the story that, hey, if I go to school, that's the right thing to do, or I'm going to school for a purpose because I want to help society, because I want to be a teacher, because I want to be a social worker, because I want to be a nurse or a doctor. And um, I've, I've bought that narrative. And now I'm a nurse, and now I'm a social worker, and now I'm a teacher, and I did all the right things, but I'm, my life is suffering, and you know, I'm, I'm in financial trouble because of it. So this is an opportunity for folks who maybe uh, be able to sympathize with them or kind of say, hey, I've been there to look at their profile and say, yeah, this person, you know, they are trying to do the right thing. But, you know, just the, the state of our education system is is uh, has really, really, you know, given them uh, an unnecessary burden for doing the right thing. So I'd like to help out. So here's 20 bucks. Here's yeah. 30 bucks. And let me let me say too. I mean, and I'm kind of the person who's coming in, having battled through some, uh, you know, pretty heavy student loans, and that's still kind of I'll unpack, you know, kind of the story of my family um, on a different episode. But uh, you know, the way I've been able to handle it, quite frankly, is that I've been able to all. I've never had one job as an adult, which I actually recommend. I think everybody ought to have a second source of income. But had I not that had I the know. gift of extreme extroversion, I don't know what I would have done. Because quite frankly, <laughs> a lot of the doors that have opened up uh, have not been just because of skill. It's because I'm such a weirdo that I talk to everybody like this dude at a charity event 15 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, I mean, that's how we got here. Um, and had I not had those connections along the way. And so for me to think about this problem and say, well, I think that everybody ought to do what I did. Um, certainly you can take agency over your own life. I cannot expect everybody to replicate what I've been able to do. Um, because I, you know, part of that is just God given like thing that, that, you know, no matter what kind of mentor you get, you're probably not going to get, everybody can get better. Not everybody is, um, you know, going to be mega, mega successful. And so it's like, what do we do with 
those other people who are, you know, have wonderful things to bring to the world, but extreme extroversion um, and sort of a, a nose for what's profitable are not in their wheelhouse. So what are we going to do for them? Um, and that is, we believe the community can help um, get people out of this place where they're delaying life stages is, is the thing I keep thinking about. Like, I can't buy a house. I'm not going to get married. I'm not going to have kids because I'm just like too broke. So I'm just going right. to keep living at home and paying 1200 bucks. Yeah, I and, think, um, you know, in, in that pitch, essentially, as I would call it, it's very heavy on people's empathy. And if you're going to craft something people like game shows and competition more than they like sad stories. Um, <laughs> and so That's pretty good. So I think that ought to be your, your guy. Like I, I, I will watch shark tank all day long, but like, it's hard to get, it's hard to get people to listen to now hear this, you know, it's, it's like, it takes a special kind of person who wants to hear like, here's the, the sad story and here's how it's being fixed. But like, if you can gamify it a little bit by making pitches, or some sort of competition or some sort of tier system. Um, like there's an app out now that does like in-app podcasting and you can take phone calls and it's called Stereo. Like they have 25 grand up a week and you're basically, yeah, yeah, and it's sort of like, it's a gamification to get people in there using the app and you can compete and like that little gamification goes a long way. And so if you can go to... The other thing is crowdsourcing works best when you have rich people participating. And so, uh, you know, if you can go and write grants or get grants, you, you're essentially proposing somewhat of what I'm saying, what I would suggest is some some sort of like a grant system. You know, like um, the closest I've ever come to thinking about writing a grant was Audible right now has a $10,000 reward for a uh, yeah, special yeah, podcast thing. We just talked about that we're, yesterday. We're in on it. Yes. Yes, exactly. You see the 10 mm-hmm. grand, you go, all right, I'm going to write this pitch. Here's what I'm going to do with your money. Here's how I'm going to make it great. Then mm-hmm. they evaluate it through this set <laughs> system of rules. Like that's how you ought to think about this is like, yeah. If you, by, by the way, you're on so many podcasts, you don't even know how many podcasts you're on. That's why I didn't apply, because I just... Oh, you didn't? No, but what I, what I really wanted to apply for was, um, you know, what has come out of Now Hear This and Leaders and Legends is there was a group of city leaders in Indianapolis, bipartisan, called the City Committee, that in the 70s got together, Democrats, Republicans, blacks, whites, Latinos... Mm-hmm. atheist christians like and like this group of elite city elites basically said like what do we want indianapolis to be like in 50 years and that single group like put partisanship above everything so like when education is a problem in indianapolis it's never how can the republicans get up on the democrats and vice versa like it's how do we work together and i think that's a really interesting story because that mm-hmm single German of of an idea has infected so much. So has the Lilly Endowment, so many of our nonprofits here in town, and has created such a great cooperation between nonprofit government, private organizations, the Speedway, the Pacers, like, you know, and so when you can get all these groups kind of together to kind of circle back to, to this idea, if you can go to a, a big, if you can find a big sponsor or two Mm -hmm. and you can have them help put up some of the prize money, but then have it padded by people pitching in five, 10, $25 towards the thing that they like, almost like a Kickstarter model. 
mm-hmm. then then that can help. But like the person has to make a pitch as to what their life is going to look like on the other side of this down payment on their student loans. Like if you if right. you you know once I got my thirteen thousand dollars paid off, like all of a sudden I'm able to buy more better podcast equipment and I could start this business and I could do this and that and like. It would have made me think about it in the way that that Audible program makes you think about it a little bit more. And then all of a sudden it becomes, I want to be a cool, I want to be an investor in this person's dreams. As opposed to, mm-hmm. this is a really yeah. sad sack I need to give $5 to. <laughs> so right. so think that's how I would, I would kind of position it. I'd make it, you know, like watch Slumdog Millionaire a couple times and see how you can mm-hmm. get some flashing lights and gamify it a little bit. Sure. And we've thought about, you know, there's some opportunities for, okay, well, let's, you know, let's put up a leaderboard. Let's say like, all right, well, okay, here, here we go. So this month, you know, folks from this university have donated X amount of dollars and there, you know, we can rate it by university as far as the total amount of, of student loan dollars donated. We can rate it by maybe major um, by total amount of, 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 of dollars donated. So, you know that's a, that's a great point where we're talking about gamifying it. I like the idea of uh, offering the grant and um, potentially choosing someone almost like, hey, you know, we need you to write an essay about why, you know, what where where you're going or what what you're going to do with this money, and we'll pick somebody every month, and you'll get you'll get uh, either a mon- monetary prize or maybe some extra exposure to the community because yeah, that's what it's about. It's about giving people hope. It's about this is how my life would be different, and this is how I would be more of a contributor to society if I didn't have this student loan debt. We're we're trying to, you know, I think on a, on a bigger bigger movement, if you will, we're trying to normalize the idea that it's okay to say, hey, you know what, I I, I really have this this burden of student loan debt, and um, you know, it's keeping me it's keeping me from these dreams, keeping me from doing, you know, realizing my full potential. You know, nobody minds, you know, uh, like you say, Tower, uh, GoFundMe, you know, made it made it OK, I guess, or made it more OK to ask for help with, say, medical bills. Right. Yeah. Um, um, and, and that I, I've seen a bunch of negative articles about that. It's like, oh, well, X amount of people, um, you know, are now turning to GoFundMe to pay their medical. Bill. Well, it's because it's working. Right. I mean, yeah. like that that's great i mean how great is it that people will help other people like stay out of bankruptcy no 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 let's not let's not exercise our empathy let's just let those people suffer in silence (laughs) while we wait for the government to get their act together like those the 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 people who want to empower others through government action are the people who don't want anybody to be empowered they want them to be controlled like those people are not real voices to listen to like the 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 future of societal organization is exactly what you're talking about it is building private institutions and that rapid cycle of creative destruction of this isn't working anymore let's get a new one let's get a new one and and we will eventually in the next 100 to 200 years realize the thing holding us back from prosperity is the government and it is not a solution utilitarian wise it is just a, a drag and so you know, this is a great way, not just not just the um, like the GoFundMe model or like a website or whatever. Use these stories and make a storytelling podcast out of it, too, because mm-hmm. oh, yeah. the bigger not just the loans and the individuals you're paying off. You you nailed it when you said we want to kind of change the conversation around this and get people thinking in a different way around about their debt and 
and you may get a movement started through this this project that like all of a sudden a lot of these nonprofits like the Sally May nonprofit that I talked about the Lumina Foundation goes all right how can we like right. help fund some of this stuff how can we right. you know how can Dow Chemical how can right. we invest in some of this stuff and you know there may be strings attached with all that stuff but you know, it's, a, it's yeah. no different than a teacher who is. I have a friend who has to work for the, has to be a teacher for the school system for seven years to get their loans forgiven. Okay, well, mm-hmm. you better believe that if I were 150 in debt, that I would just work for them for seven years. So absolutely. So yeah, I mean, there, there's there's a lot here. You know, and you know, we're trying to create a space. I think that, you know, down the road we can say or someone can say, I'm getting married, uh, rather than giving, giving me a, a stainless steel fondue set, right. which was actually my go-to wedding gift when I was in my 20s. You know, take that money, go over here to, to this website and pay some money against my student loan. Give the, here's, here's my registry. A part of it is a link to you know, help, help me pay off my student loan so I can get a house. Yeah. And so I can support myself and I can put a little money away for the future. I can learn how to invest. Mom, so, mom asked what I wanted for Christmas. I said tuition money. I don't need presents. Bingo. I spent all bingo. my tuition money on stuff I wanted. So just give me yeah. tuition money. <laughs> I actually asked for uh, an electric scooter. Um, so we'll, we'll see. We'll see what happens. I'm, I'm looking forward to that. Okay. <laughs> I I don't even know what these is it like the the ones you can like rent in city centers for like yeah something of, like that but yeah it's a little bit more you know a little bit more you know consumer so he's going to be the coolest kid on campus exactly <laughs> exactly um guys we're at the hour mark uh, this was really good Chris if you got you know maybe in six months something like that uh, we get a little closer to uh, you know in, in six months well this thing will be out in the world and so uh, you know a really valuable kind of Man, I mean, you yeah. you really brought stuff to the table we had not thought of, and uh, you brought research to the table that uh, obviously a history degree you're paying for is uh, you know, is working. Is your Spanish any good or no? No, <laughs> I uh, I am very bad at foreign languages, and I'm very thankful that there's a check my work button on the bulk of the points. So I I, I struggle my way through it. I'm gonna get through it. I, I'm taking one class next year, but like. You know, continue my Spanish, and then I have a math, and then I just get to take stuff I like, like journalism, history. So yeah, I'm I'm taking my time. I'm on like the five year plan, so I'm not in any rush. I'm going to blame somebody else for my um, my you know lack of Spanish. Um, I was in when I was in college, I got hit by a car on my bike, Ah. um, and uh, you know, wound up in the hospital and everything. So I get out of the hospital and um, I go to class and i explained that i'd missed a class because i'd been in the hospital because i'd gotten hit by a car and uh the spanish teacher called me a liar <laughs> and i think that is just the reason i never learned spanish because i was so jaded after that experience that uh i got i just didn't want to study hard for that person i relate to that because i got food poisoning from taco bell at 10 and it just soured me from there man that's so now joke. did the spanish teacher call you a liar in english or did he say it in spanish <laughs> <laughs> Because that could have been a teachable moment there. Yeah. My, <laughs> my college roommate uh, in our intro to fine arts class, uh, he explained that he was uh, colorblind, red, green, efficient after a quiz. And he probably failed the quiz because he just could see the painting in gray, basically. And that professor, um, who was 
utterly insane, uh, called him called Chris a liar and um, <laughs> demanded that he get a note. Um, and, um, you know, so, I mean, I, I'm glad we ended such a, a dynamic conversation about stupid things about pr- professors said that was really a good way for me to go out. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, Chris, I put a link to your Twitter handle um, in the description that's on, you know, the Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, uh, you know, versions of uh, this video, Twitch, even uh, we had, we had, a, we actually had somebody that watched the whole thing on Twitch last week. And I just couldn't believe it. I will have my wife who's check that out. Uh, your what? My wife who's Any, anybody who's on Twitch. Just love that joke. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> it's an anime What's joke. It's an anime joke. It's like an anime word for wife, and I don't get it, but like my wife, my anime loving co host is like, waifu's a big on Twitch. So. <laughs> well, are you, are you making all these memes? N- no, no, no. I make some, but a lot of it is people send it to me because they know, like, it's to be funny if you post it. You share. Okay. Well, because yeah. you had the one about, like, um, you know, about having to be awake at 9 p.m., which you're, you're, uh, that's why we got to quit because you're in Eastern, you, you and Drew are both in Indiana, but you're in Eastern times on Indiana. He's in Central times on I'm Indiana, not. which is, yep. uh, you know, another. What are, are you in Vincennes or are you in, uh, Vander, uh, Valparaiso? I am, uh, further, further west. I'm in Munster, which is just south uh, of Hammond. Okay. All right. Yeah. The yeah. region. Mm-hmm. The region, yes. <laughs> yes, we basically yes. live in two different states. Like, don't we're two different countries? Like, basically, right? Yeah, right. Exactly. I uh, my governor is Pritzker, right? My right. mayor is Lightfoot. Well, yeah. no, I mean that's because JB Pritzker thinks he is the emperor of all the sun touches. Right. Um, I'm expecting <laughs> him to come get me for moving out of Illinois. Like, I'm expecting the black helicopters to just show back up and be like, you thought you could. <laughs> no, you're just going to get you're just going to get the bill in the mail. You're just going to get the uh, you're just gonna get the invoice. He doesn't have time to time to deal with deal with you. You he, you just need to send a check. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, when I was um, uh, when I was uh, Ubering on the side, partially to pay student loans, uh, I wound up picking up his um, uh, one of his staffers. Um, who was, uh, you know, who was, was gay with his partner and, um, they got into a big argument because his staffer's partner thought the staffer was like hitting on me, but they're like doing this like in my, you know, I mean, I'm straight, I'm married, you know, whatever. I didn't, his staffer wasn't hitting on me. I wasn't offended. <laughs> I, I would have been like, I, he, I was, was uncomfortable with the conversation happening. Like with me, like it was, it's like the sitcom joke where like they zoom back out and like. The person they're talking about is like sitting right there. Um, mm. So that, that's also what I always think of with J.B. Pritzker. Sorry, Chris. That's okay. You the last word on that topic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I I don't make the memes and I don't do po- like I don't podcast after like 6 p.m. anymore. Like we moved to Saturday mornings and now I, all my all my energy after 8 p.m. is just like. I'm too tired to podcast. I'm 37 now. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. All right. Well, uh, my newly Methodist friend, uh, if we can have you come back on in half a year or so. Baptist. um, Baptist. That's right. Are you Baptist now? Well, I go to a non-denominational mega church, so it's Baptist. I mean, it's, (laughs) let's call it what it is. They're dunking people. Mm -hmm. So I'd love to, yeah, and I'd love to have you guys on once you get something solidified, and 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 have you come on the Chris Spangle Show and talk about this. Uh, that would be uh, that'd be fantastic. You are the new Saturday morning cartoons because you're on Saturday mornings, right? <laughs> yep, exactly. <laughs> All right, everybody, Chris Spangle, check out his stuff. He's a good dude, and uh, we our crowd, our paths will cross again.